Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the chatter. The chatter box is now in in session. Colleen, it's it's going to be a rare night. I know the last the last Monday in February, and we have two more people with us today. Indeed, this is episode seventy eight. Mark Hager's in the house. The Red Scare. Vince Mize is back. <laughs> And we're beginning in the name of the Father, uh, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, oh, most, most gracious Virgin Mary, Mary that, that never was it known that, that anyone who fled to thy protection and implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, our listeners may not know what you were talking about with the red scarf. No, the red scare. The red scare. The red scare. The, uh, the, okay, then the, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the, the <laughs> communist agent implanted in Dubuque after the last <laughs> show. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were referring to the red scarf story that he told about we got, Kenny We got Herbst. more calls and letters on, on your first appearance, most from the FBI, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were still a lot of listeners that were... That we're calling in. D- did they want his address? I, we could get. They got his address. <laughs> I, got his I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even imagine that there would be a more than a modicum of interest. <laughs> there he goes speaking Russian again. Yeah, What's exactly. a modicum? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's not a modem. <laughs> it's an iota. Yeah. 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 We're recording yeah. on Monday, the twenty seventh of February. We have burned this month up, Colleen. Mm-hmm. This will air on the third, fourth, and fifth Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. First Friday, first Saturday, first yeah. Sunday. Oh, of March. Yes. good, yes. good point. We got a yeah. rosary someplace, don't we? We do. Where are we going? Somewhere. Mm. You have the schedule. You can see we're prepared. Yeah. Rosary rally, first one in uh, in in March. Mauritia. John the Baptist in Piasta. There we go. 11 o'clock. Are they Piastans or Piatonans or what do they they call? (laughs) You'll have to ask them. Piastites? Piastans. You'll have to ask them when you go. This Saturday, March 4th, 11 a.m., Rosary Rally at St. John the Baptist in Piasta. Bring your whole family. Indeed. Doing that. Got a big event coming up Wednesday, March 15th, Mark. Yeah. Get your tickets. I think Terry and Jesse show. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. Grand River Center, 500 Bell Street. Tickets are on sale now. Go to kcrd-fm.org. If you need assistance or you just like to talk, we're finding out people don't need assistance. They just want to call up and talk. That's great. Is it going to be a good night? It's going to be a great night. What are we eating? The nuns. I love it. The nuns. Well, every time I hear it, I think religious sisters, and that's (laughs) not what it's about. No, it's not. It's about are they ever coming back? Yeah. 563-231-3545 is the uh, ticket customer service. It's a voicemail. We'll get back to you shortly. Now that Mark Hager's risen from the dead, (laughs) how long has it been since you've been here? November? Probably. October? Pretty much, yeah. Probably in November. He's had a few issues since then. So, anyhow. And good to see you back. Yeah. Good to be back, you know, and stuff. And uh, so that's it. We'll see. uh, Mark will be down at the uh, River Center with Terry and Jesse. Vince is coming. We'll we'll have a table. We'll have a table. And see Vince. Hopefully front and center, right, Vince? Yeah. 
standing next to those guys in the black suits with the ear pieces. <laughs> the ear pieces, yeah. uh, aviator sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our spring pledge drive doors open at four. The patriotic rosary. You remember the patriotic rosary? Oh, yeah. Dennis mm-hmm. Schmidt has got those uh, coming. Terry yeah. Barber, Jesse Romero, mm-hmm. speaking on the nuns. Who are they? And we're talking about people who've left the faith, like people who mark on a survey, what is your faith? And they mark the option none. N-O-N. N-O-N-E, as in zero, zilch, nada. Yes. So it's really the subject is people that have, not the flying nuns. And, you know, especially in Dubuque, you hear the word none, and I think women religious, right? Right. I mean, we've been, I don't know if I can say, you can't swing a dead cat around here without finding women religious, but you can't now. You can say it once. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so the topic is about uh, so many of our family and friends that have left the faith, so many people that say they have no religion. Um, Where are they? Where did they go? Will they ever come back? The second largest category of of religious election or non-election are the nuns right behind Roman Catholics. Right. And those who used to be Catholic, second largest denomination. It's really Mm -hmm. been interesting because ever since that topic came up, I've been talking more and more to other people. And we are all concerned about our children, our grandchildren, who have left the faith, and we continually pray for them every single day mm-hmm. that they will come back to the faith, that Jesus will bring them somehow back mm-hmm. to the faith and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really been interesting that we think it's our family, but it's, every it's everybody's family. family. It's everybody. Every yeah, family, every, every family. You and bet. you know, the scripture that um, I thought about when I was thinking about this conference the other day was, I think it's in Ezekiel, and it's about the raising of the dead bones. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the desert, in the dry land, right. he raised the dead bones to come back to life. And I thought, we need that again. We sure do. Vince? We sure do. What do you got? Well, I don't know. I'm going to just talk a little bit about uh, how Solomon's temple was constructed and why it was the size that it was. And uh, just give you some biblical um, direction, the, the directions that it's all laid out there in the Old Testament if you take a look, but it's a little tough to find it sometimes. So Solomon, the son of King David. Solomon, the son of King David. King David wanted to build a temple. And the Lord told him, no, your job was to be the king and the warrior king. Your hands are too bloody. You can't build the temple. Right. But he left it for um, King David's son Solomon to uh, build the temple. Pur- purported to be the wisest man of all time. No one before him and no one since. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, he manifests it in so so many, many ways. When you look at the whole book of Proverbs, most of it was written by Solomon. Sure. And uh, you, ju- you just look at the, the whole... Um, all the statements that he makes there are so, in some ways, so enigmatic, and in other ways, so very, very clear. And uh, so, take us deep. What what are the dimensions, and what what well, did you find interesting? Um, one of the things that I found interesting was that um, there are no coincidences, but there are patterns that we observe. And so, when Abraham went up to Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. He told the servants that came with him that brought all the uh, the fire and the wood and everything, told them to wait at one point, and he loaded the wood on Isaac's back, and Isaac went from 
about the spot where Christ was crucified up to the top of Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. And he says, where's the, uh, where's the lamb? Isaac asked that. Isaac asked that, and Abraham says, uh, God will provide. Well, it's kind of interesting, and God did provide a, a ram caught in the thicket. Sure. And so um, it's kind of interesting that the spot where the servants waited is the edge of what later would become Solomon's quarry, and when Solomon was going to do his building projects, one of the things that he had to do is he had to put a wall around the um, city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And where did he get it? He got it all out of that, uh, that mountainside. And so the question comes, how do you protect the city with a wall 10 feet high? Well, it's not hard if you got a 60-foot quarry right next to it, and it's <laughs> sitting on the top of that quarry. So, so, so you're making the connection then between the place where, where the servants waited while Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, right? With generations and generations and generations later, the spot where, where Solomon's Christ temple would be would be, and uh, Solomon uh, and the spot where uh, Christ would be crucified, Calvary. Yeah, all the same spot. Well, it's very close to it. Well, generally, yeah. Golgotha. They called it Golgotha. Golgotha, yes. The place of the skull. Is that what Golgotha means? That's what it was called. Now, I had heard somewhere, and maybe you found this in your reading and maybe you didn't. I found, I read somewhere that they called it the place of the skull because the skull was supposed to be where Adam was buried, that he was buried there. Did you come across that at all? I didn't come across. Upon that, but I wouldn't doubt that that was uh, part of the uh, belief. Sometimes in iconography, you see the crucifix and you see a skull at the base, at the mm-hmm. foot mm-hmm. of the cross. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I think uh, Anne Catherine Emmerich speaks to Adam's skull, the place of the skull. Right. Begs the question. Being the place then of the crucifixion. I don't right. know if you came across that or if that was right. accurate or not. Well, no, I haven't done my uh, reading in Anne Catherine Emmerich. She's she's the one also that uh, had so much to say about the um, House of the Blessed Virgin and things that people didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Vince is milking this, so he comes back in in March. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really I really didn't have a whole lot of uh, material here. The in order for the uh, hearer to understand this, he has to. Um, he has to watch the uh, great secret of Solomon's temple, uh, parts six, seven, and eight, and particularly part eight. But when you watch that on YouTube, the um, presenter, Michael uh, Rood, is no lover, no lover of Christians. He was born uh, and raised a Southern Baptist. And he has a lot of anti-Catholic uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. And so he makes some very, uh, very bad uh, comments about Constantine and about the mother of Constantine, St. Helena, who found the true cross, and about the Pope and about worship on Sunday and, you know, this sort of thing. But to get on with the, um, with the main topic here, the uh, you have to look at um, 
Part 7 of the Great Secret of Solomon's Temple. Um, from 0 to about, um, oh, 1 minute, 12 seconds in. And you'll see uh, there a diagram of the mechanism for the uh, temple. And uh, if you look at... Um, at uh, 8:39, he explains the topography of the uh, of Jerusalem and the uh, sacrifice of Isaac and Solomon's quarry and all that stuff that I've just mentioned. So you're giving timestamps on a video that you right at. on on that uh, on that uh, YouTube video. You can find these w videos on our uh, website. So if you uh, look in, in uh, 1 Kings 31, now if you're in the Dewey Reams Bible, this would be 3 Kings, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Now, this was so important because the only... Um, machine known at the time that Solomon built the temple was the lever. And so he had to build the um, temple long enough to have a lever um, 105 feet long. Wow. And uh, so Solomon sent to and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son. Oh, you find this in uh, 1 Kings 7, or if in the Douay Reims version, 3 Kings Seven thirteen to 14. King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre, and he was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. And his father was a man of Tyre, a worker of brass. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass. And he came to King Solomon, and he wrought all of his works. So this is the gentleman that made those... Um, Brass columns. Now, if you get into different versions of the Bible, some of them will call them bronze. But it's bronze or brass. And he, if you look at 1 Kings um, 7, 16, in the Douay Reims version, 3 Kings 7, chapter 7, verse 16, and he made two capitals of molten brass to set upon the tops of the pillars. And the... Um, the height of one uh, capital was five cubits, and the height of the other uh, capital was five cubits. And then in uh, 1 Kings 7.21, he says, And he set up the pillars in front of the uh, temple, and he set up the right pillar, and he called it the name of Jachin, J-A-C-H-I-N. And he set the uh, left pillar and called the name there of Boaz, and these names really represent um, lever and a fulcrum. And uh, <laughs> then in uh, 1 Kings 8, verse 8, um, after they had, uh, after they had uh, built the temple, and they drew out the staves, and the ends of the staves were seen out in the holy place before the oracle, and they were not seen without, and they are there unto this day. So when the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the uh, Holy of Holies, the uh, staves were drawn out so that the curtain moved, 
and you could actually see from the rest of the temple that the Ark of the Covenant was really present there. Uh, and then in, in uh, 1 Kings 8, um, 12 to 13, or in Dewey Reims 3 Kings 8, um, then Solomon said, now this is what he is saying at the dedication of the temple. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud, and I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. Now, is he going to dwell in the cloud, or is he going to dwell in a, in a dark place? Or is he going to dwell in this exalted place? Well, he's going to dwell in the uh, temple until sure. the temple is destroyed. But when the temple is destroyed... Nebuchadnezzar's people can't find the Ark of the Covenant, and that's exactly what I'm talking about here. And so uh, uh, Solomon says in another place, in Proverbs 25, uh, verse 2, It is the glory of God to conceal the word, and the glory of kings to search out the speech. And some people say that uh, this is a direct reference to the hiding of the Ark of the Covenant. That this whole temple was built according to its uh, proportions. So it was in the, uh, the uh, tabernacle in the wilderness was not so large, and the tabernacle was before the temple was not so large. But this is 50 feet wide, 105 feet long. And then there are courtyards for the Gentiles and others, women, and Gentiles before the uh, they could get to the temple. But in front of Solomon's porch stood these two columns, and um, they weren't real, uh, real small. They were 18 feet in circumference. They were 31 feet high, and they were um, about six inches thick, which means that they had a diameter of about six feet, and the hollow part inside was about five feet, and that was filled with sand. Vince, we got to hold you over to the next break. We're going long, but uh, this is like home improvement, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Vince Mize on the chatter. Mark Hager's in the house. We're going to talk to Mark in his newly discovered rosary book, and we're going to talk about Mary's Inn. Awesome. We'll be back in segment two right after this on... FM 98.3 KCRD. back you're listening to the chatter podcast live on uh, well i shouldn't say live rebroadcast but it's not on demand it's it's being broadcast on fm 98.3 kcrd and we've got vince who was just giving us all of the dimensions in case you want to build your own holy of holies it'd be a pretty big undertaking according to his dimensions so this is all out of the uh, book of Kings 1 and 2, and uh, in the Dewey Rames, it goes King 3 and 4, and the, but right. it's Samuel 1 and 2, is that right? Right. So, I find that pretty interesting, Vince. Well, Jeremiah says, um, records for, so in the ninth year of the year of Zedekiah's reign, 
On the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army, and he encamped outside the city and built a siege works around it. And the whole Babylon army, under the commander of the imperial guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem, and Nebuchadnezzar, the commander of the guard, carried into exile the people who remained in the city, along with the rest of the populace who had deserted the king to the uh, to Bob to Babylon. But the commander left behind some of the poorest people to work the vineyards and the fields. The Babylons, Babylonians broke down the pillars of bronze, the movable stands, the bronze sea that was at the temple of the Lord, and they carried the bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, wick, trimmers, dishes, and all the bronze articles used in temple service. The commander of the imperial guard took away the censers, the sprinkling bowls, and all that were made of gold. The bronze from the two pillars, the sea of the movable stands, and Solomon had made for the temple of the Lord was more than could be weighed. Each pillar was 18 cubits high. The bronze capital on top of one pillar was three cubits high, and it was decorated with network of pomegranates and bronze and all around. The other pillar with its network was similar. The commander took the guard and the prisoners and the chief priest, Zephaniah, the priest next in rank, and the three doorkeepers. Now, the interesting thing to mention is that when they put those columns up, those mm-hmm. capitals were five cubits high. But when the, it was time for the, um, for the ark to be hidden, the uh, priests beat in the bottom of those um, hollow columns and allowed the sand to uh, escape and the priest standing in the um, Holy of Holies on eight lock stones released the stone on which the Ark of the Covenant stood, and so the whole thing could be lowered into the um, into a subterranean crypt, and that it was lowered lowered into an area and was taken to an an area called. Um, uh, Jeremiah's cave. I didn't see any of this in Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, well, I'm trying to kind of follow here. So when they were getting sacked by Nebuchadnezzar, they wanted to protect the Ark right. of the Covenant, so they lowered it into a crypt, and then did they cover it with sand? Is that what no. you're Okay. No, no. The sand was in these columns, and this uh, was allowed to... The The reason he brought Egyptians in to build the temple was because they could use sand um, hydraulics to uh, operate levers and lower great weights, and they had done this in the pyramids. Sure. And so uh, they knew how to do this. Nobody else knew how to do it. Oh, so you're saying that they were able to lower the Ark of the Covenant into the crypt because of the right. sand that was in the, those pillars. Well, yeah, but when you look at the when you look at the video from uh, Michael Rood, you will actually see that it's a far more complicated thing than just a simple lever, because um, the weight of those brass column um, capitals alone would have launched the Ark of the Covenant right out the top of the roof. 
Okay. But they had a they had an escape mechanism, or they had a damper on that, and a and a second um, way to drain out the uh, sand to slow down the movement. And oh, it was it was an intricate uh, system. So you're getting your information from scripture, right? Well, on how to on how it was built. Okay, and then the diagrams I got from Michael Rood. Okay, and was he getting them from archaeologists? What? Where did he get his drawings? Were they have they found these? Have they uncovered these? Have archaeologists? Well, they did. Un- these? They did uncover these. Uh, they did uncover that uh, stone where the Ark of the Covenant stood. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah, they uncovered that. Um, but still, no one's found the Ark. No, the the ark was found uh, by um, oh what um, can't even think of the guy's name now. The ark of the covenant was was found. Um, the uh, bureau of uh, Department of Antiquities in in Israel knows very clearly really? where it is. We'll have to get him on oh, the show. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of that. He was he was an amateur, and so none of the um, none of the. Oh, um, you and I were talking about. Yeah, him. you mentioned yeah. that the last time. Yeah, you were the, on the last show, time but I, I can't think of his name either. Yeah, yeah. you know and, they're keeping that under wraps, Vince. Not everybody's talking about that. Well, you just never know. But Vince maintains it's been found. It's been found. You bet. Mark's saying I can top that. I don't. I can't top that. I can't even come close to what Vince. Before did. we go to Mark Hager, let's talk Mary's Inn. Sure. You got let's you talk got Mary's you got Inn. lots of stuff going on over there. You well, need some I help. Well, I tell you, we've been admitting uh, girl day after day, so um, we've got three girls there now, and they all need to work, and none of them have cars. So they need transport. And we've got one girl who wants to come in tomorrow. So tomorrow we might be full. So tomorrow's the 28th of February. When you hear this, it'll be a couple Thank days you. later. Yes, that's right. So, so but, um, you know, we want the girls working or going to school, but they don't have cars. And so we really need drivers. So if anyone is listening and they have, you know, an hour in the morning that they could take one of the residents, uh, take her little kid to um, daycare, and then take her to work, that would be awesome. Or if you have an hour or so in the afternoon and could pick her up and... You know, bring her back. We could just use some help with um, transportation. Great corporal work of mercy during the 40 days of Lent. Absolutely. The other thing, and this would be the audience to ask this question of, one of the girls at the house is a Catholic, and she loves to go to Mass. Mm -hmm. And they have to go to church on Sunday. Uh, We need, like, a church angel. Someone that would say, you know what? On Sunday mornings, I will come over and pick her up, and I will take her to Mass and I'll bring her home, and, and maybe occasionally I'll take her for a cup of coffee. That's what we need, is someone who will step up and be a little church angel for one of our residents on Sunday mornings. So how do they get a hold of you? 563-552-6288, or they can find Mary's Inn on Facebook, or they can Google Mary's Inn Maternity Home, and my number's all over the place. But if you are able to give rides, to and from work for some of our residents, or if you would like to take one of our residents to church on Sunday, that would be awesome. How are we doing on house mothers? Well, we we could use a house mother. We have house moms. We've got some couple openings, so we've got uh, openings on Sundays from eight to five, um, Fridays from eight to five, 
Tuesday overnights, which would be 5 p.m. until 8 a.m. So what do you got to do? What's a, what's a house mom do? So we, we um, have gone to calling them house staff because house moms were not quite the bill. Okay, so we call them house moms, house staff, house staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the house staff is there to um, mentor the girls. So we're looking for women who have um, who have raised their kids, who have a variety of life experiences. Their kids are already raised, and maybe they had some trouble with their kids. Maybe their kids were involved with drugs, or maybe they ended up in prison, or you know had mental illness but um, we're looking for women who have raised their kids who have a variety of life experiences and who want to mentor young women who are trying to build a better life for themselves and their babies give us that number again 563-552-6288 and these are paid positions so it's not volunteering so um Please give me a call if you're interested. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart right now, that you could help in some capacity at Mary's Inn, now is the time to give us a call. That's a fulfilling job. A lot, a lot of satisfaction very with that. Hard job, but very rewarding. And now we go to our resident house mom. <laughs> you're looking at Mark when you say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's that Where mean? have What's you it? been, Hager? I've been in the kitchen, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> well, I'm, we're, we're glad you're on the mend. Yeah. We, uh, we wore a couple of rosaries yeah. out on you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a tough, uh, I'm going to say a tough four months, you know. So I didn't think I'd ever uh, see him smile again. Yeah, I no. just, it's... It's still not good, but it's it's getting better. So, you know, thank God for that. So. Talk to me about this rosary book that okay. just landed here. So, I don't know. I mean, I've been praying a rosary for a t- you know, 100 years. And I'll tell you what, I have never in my life have ever thought about every decade as much as I have now. Charlie Sisler gave us these books when we went out there with the uh, Pilgrim Virgin program to his house. And he gave it to all of us. And he said, Mark, he said, I think you're going to get a lot of use out of this. He said, I've, I've said the rosary again for a number of years. But he says, as, as you sit there and pray the rosary, if, if you don't have anything in your hand, what are you thinking about? What's for dinner? Mm-hmm. How's the grandkids doing? What's the weather like outside? And your mind continuously wanders is what the devil wants you to do. He distracts you all the time. And he said, I, I just want to give you this book, and, and you know, you can use it as you want. And the first thing is I opened this book. The rosary is the ladder to heaven. And I thought, boy, is that ever pertinent, you know? Mm-hmm. We want to get there. Mm-hmm. Pray so the, the name of the book is Praying the Rosary Without Distraction. Distraction. And every decade is, is in there. And in every decade is, it, it taught, on every Hail Mary, you get one or two sentences about give that. Us an, give us an example from the... Uh, the Annunciation is, okay, so you start out with the first Hail Mary, the Annunciation, and it says the time for the incarnate is at hand. So what are you thinking about? Okay. Jesus is the incarnate word. He's this is coming. Jesus is going to now be present in Mary mm-hmm. at you know at the incarnation. And and so as you go through this, as you say the, the rosary, you just 
look at that sentence and you meditate upon that. The next one is, of all women, God prepared Mary for her conception to be the mother of the incarnate word. The next one. And it just goes on and on for, for all 20 decades of the rosary. There's one or two sentences. So as you pray the rosary, you're thinking about exactly what is going on in those moments as, 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 the, as we go through the life of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I like you know? the footnote, Mark, on yeah. each of the, um, the, the mysteries. The, the For instance, you're on the Annunciation, yeah. the first joyful but the spiritual fruit, fruit is yeah. humility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it is helpful to have uh, something to meditate on with each Hail Mary because the Annunciation is kind of a, a big event. Oh, yeah. You know, and then you've got 10 Hail Marys. And so you can start meditating and then you can get distracted, like you said. But this way, it's like a constant, gentle refocusing with every Hail Mary on that uh, particular decade. Exactly, yes. because it's like, you know, in some of these, are I mean, they're just so profound. Mary is troubled by the vow that she made to virginity. Hmm. Okay, wait a minute. I'm, I can't be pregnant. I made a vow. I've never been with a man. I, you know, I mm-hmm. can't do this, you know. But the, the angel mm-hmm. says to her, you know, so it's kind of guided meditation. Oh, exactly. A guided meditation through each mystery of the rosary. That's yeah. beautiful. Exactly. So the uh, publisher is the Rosary Center over in Portland, Oregon, rosarycenter.org. And um, we'll put this up on the website. Yeah. Uh, with Vince's notes. Because, yeah, these books are, I mean, you can order them, they're four bucks. But if you order a thousand or more, they're two bucks. Mm, so and I'm thinking, boy, would this be a nice thing to send out sometime, you know? Bulk Very prices. Nice. Oh my gosh. Very nice. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and the other thing that that really, I guess, I'm going to say, in, affected me was going through the uh, the luminous mysteries. Mm-hmm. Because what did Jesus do in the luminous mysteries? He implemented three of the sacraments within those mm-hmm. five decades mm-hmm. the baptism in the jordan right he, he elevated that to a sacrament yep at cana he he elevated marriage to a sacrament mm-hmm. right. at the last supper he elevated the last supper right. to the holy order of the um, the uh, he instituted the holy the, orders. The Eucharist, yeah. The Eucharist, yeah. the Eucharist. Yeah, he said the Last Supper, and then he instituted the, uh, the, the, the Sacrament of Holy Orders at the Last Supper. And you, I don't, I've never thought of that, as, as I've said the rosary over all these years. Mm-hmm. You don't, I guess you don't, you think about what he's doing, but you don't really understand what actually happens at those moments in his life. The way I, you know, I mean, I, I just, it's so profound. It's, it really is. Well, it's so rich that you you yeah. don't get the full depth of it with one or two glosses, you know. You have to over and over and you think about it and again and again, and it, it will strike you differently each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we probably couldn't take it if he gave it to us all at once, huh? Mm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I love this book. So I that's uh, that's part of what you're doing for Lent these forty days. Yeah. How's it going? It's we're. Uh, I I tell you what. We're the, in week this, one. This has been a a, a a a blessing for me for this Lent. I mean, I'm just I've got a few other things I'd like to go through that I'm doing, and and I'll tell you what, this is number one though for me for praying the daily rosary. This meditation right here, simple but keeps you focused on the rosary. Because mm-hmm. I really do find myself not thinking about anything else as I mm-hmm. say these rosaries. Yeah, and that's tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's tough because we, we're hungry. We want to, who's cooking? Mm-hmm. Is she yeah. cooking? Where are the kids? Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah. Hey, Vince, we're 30 seconds away from the break. So you got twenty five seconds. What what are you doing for what are you doing for Lent? Other than reading Solomon's blueprints. <laughs> <laughs> this this Lent what uh what I'm doing is I'm uh I'm making it a, a practice to pray an additional rosary each day. And uh, of course we go to daily mass. Sure. You know, and, and this sort of thing. And uh I uh, bumped into a gentleman who wanted me to go to supper with him last Friday night, and I said to him, well, you can't have meat. And he said, I'm 90 years old. I said, there's no end limit on abstinence. I said, you don't have to fast. But I said, and so, you know, it was um, an interesting uh, scenario. There's Vince evangelizing a 95-year-old. We'll be back with segment three on the chatter right after this. We're back. We're in the chatterbox zone, Colleen. I know. It's nice to have visitors with us. It is. Especially Mark, who we've prayed for endlessly. And, and uh, here we have. I, can we stop praying now? Is that what? Oh, I don't know if he's oh. going to let us stop praying no, now. No, no, no. Some guys just need more and more. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> no doubt. Until we see cartwheels, yeah. I think we're praying. Yeah. So Vince is doing an extra rosary. For Lent, yeah. And uh, making sure nobody eats meat on Friday, regardless <laughs> of their age. And Mark's got this new book. What are you doing, Colleen? For so I'm uh, refraining from red meat and poultry as a fast. So that's so prayer, fasting, almsgiving. We should we should back up right there, right? The three pillars prayer. of Lent are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So we should try to do something in each of those areas, right? So prayer. So Vince mm-hmm. is praying an extra rosary. Um, Mark's using this booklet to stay more focused. Right, so prayer. So I'm trying to pick up some extra holy hours at the Power Per Chapel. Fasting is our second pillar of Lent, so we mm-hmm. should all be offering some sort of fast, whether it's from food or drink or television or whatever it might be, denying ourselves something. Maybe it's getting up 15 minutes early. And then almsgiving. So we should pick a couple charities and donate during Lent um, as a form of almsgiving. There we go. What are you doing, Tom? Well, I'm uh, I'm fasting, which is uh, not as easy as it looks. As in fasting, as in not eating between meals, or only eating a little meal, little meal, regular meal. Mm, one meal a day. One meal a day. Wow, that's yeah. tough. And nothing, nothing in between, and yeah, especially with 
Saunders around here baking all of the time. Well, my husband says he only eats one meal a day. It starts when he gets up and it ends when he goes to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the seafood diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's uh, tough. Prayer, prayer. I uh, like to do a lot more prayer. Frequent confession. It's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the prayer, a couple of prayers. I think uh, that line in the Our Father... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven has been resolved. You and I have been talking about this for four four or five months, Mm -hmm. and it uh, hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to discern the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll give me another hundred years to go in and do that, Vince. You just never know. Yeah, because it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Can I... uh, Interjecting. Well, I guess you can here. now that you're think, back. Yeah, thanks. So, you know, I, I always like to interject my stuff. Tom likes I mean, to the, know where the mute button yeah, exactly, is. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, the mail. Yeah. The mail was endless. Where's no. Mark? You yeah. haven't. You haven't told Mark to be quiet. Where's Mark? <laughs> yeah. I've had a few people say, "What the? What's going on here? I mean, you, do we miss you?" But thank you for that. So anyhow, next I would like to uh, discuss just a little bit of evangelization. And and I thought about this in the past. Um, I'm not very good at reaching out to people as, you know, as I should be, okay? I, I'm just, that's the way, you know. And I feel we need to be doing that, you know. So anyhow, the, I, I, as the Lent began, it, the Lord put this on my heart. And he said, you're doing it. You're doing what? Doing evangelization. You're, you're doing how, evangelization. How am I doing this? And he said, What's one of the things that you're doing? And he said, you support Focus, which is the uh, Fellowship of Catholic Catholic University University students. students. And I support that every month. And Elizabeth Tagus, Mm -hmm. one of our, you know, members here at the, well, Kevin and uh, and Kevin's one of our knights. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyhow, I I got this nice letter again from from Elizabeth, and they're at Lindenwood University in uh, St. Charles, Missouri. And she said, thank you for supporting us. So they put on this uh, mission recently, and they had 50-some of their the students uh, go to this, and Father Mike Schmitz was their spiritual director. Wow. And Really? Uh, yeah. Powerhouse. Yeah, exactly. And so anyhow, I you know, I... I'm thinking about this, and I'm going like, "Look, I can't, you know, I can't go out and reach out to college students. That's not, yeah, you know, I'm too old for that." Okay, she can, mm-hmm. and she does this, mm-hmm. and so do all these students that go through this mm-hmm. Focus program. And I'm thinking, there you go, you're evangelizing through somebody else. Well, and what a key group to evangelize. Oh. I mean, we hear how oh. many of our young people lose their faith when they go to college. Exactly. So. To have that focus group specifically reaching out to Catholic university, college and university students, that's that's a great uh, mission field. Well, so great, you mentioned, uh, go ahead, Vince. That's a, that's a, a great um, missionary work that they do. Uh, the other year, they, our St. Columkill's Knights supported a group, and I was a little late in uh, sending my money in, so... I just sent it to Focus, and I've been sending it in ever since. I just sent them a small gift each month. So when and you send that in, Vince, does it go to Focus 
USA or does it go to a campus? Where does it go? You can support different. You can support them different ways. You can just give to the focus group internationally, or you can actually, like I do, support uh, Elizabeth in. What, in which, what campus is she at? Elizabeth? Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. Yeah, I'm, where I'm, do you go, I'm, Vince? I'm uh, just supporting Charles, and I can't even say his last name, but. Uh, he sends me an email every once in a while and says thank you. So I had a note from Father Del Priori in Platteville at the UW campus. I think he's got five or six focus missionaries right. in yeah. Platteville. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's four at Loris. Four at Loris. Four at I don't know if Clark has any. Does Clark have any? Or UD. UD do not, anything? I'm yet? not sure because... Well, know. Colleen brings up a point, which is what we're talking about with Terry and Jassy. Mm. When do they... I've talked to so many parents that say they spent all of this money on private Catholic education, 12 years, quarter million dollars to send their kids to school. Then they go on off to the university and become indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they've lost them. Yep. And they become what, Colleen? Nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Yeah. That means when they take a survey... What religious affiliation are you? And they get to the fifth or sixth checkbox, and it says none of the above. They're mm-hmm. a none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so focus is big. Yeah. And it's, it's seriously the nuns. They're like eighty. What eighty? Eighty-five percent now. Yeah. I mean, a just, lot of people have oh just gosh. kind of it's, dropped out yeah, of the. It's just unbelievable. What's yeah. You know, what is going on? So. Focus is the fellowship of Catholic <laughs> university <laughs> students. I ha- Did you hear? Uh, no, you weren't here. Um, I mean, you were here on Turducken I, Fat Tuesday. I had some Turducken. But you were on the second shift. Yeah, I was. Catherine O'Brien from Celtic College Consultants was here for the first shift. And somebody asked her the question, what's the best Catholic, in her opinion, what's the best Catholic campus in the country? She says Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. What's going on there? You really? should see what's going on. We were, we went to Texas a couple years ago, and so we witnessed it firsthand. They have, at that time, and I'm going to say that was back in 2012, so about 10 years ago, 8,000 students going to Mass every weekend. Wow. wow. 8,000. Mm-hmm. And they had such an active um, Newman Center. It was just things going on, a spiritual direction, people constantly coming and going. But 8,000, they had have so many masses, overflow crowds. It was incredible. Texas A&M really is That active. Newman Center up in Plantville is hopping. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Is there, who else? Is Loris got a Newman Center? Oh, I don't know if they have a Newman Center because they're a Catholic university. So do Catholic universities have Newman Centers? No. Like the University of Iowa does because it's I don't a place know. for That's Catholics to go. Right. I don't know. No, Catholic universities don't have Newman, Newman Centers. No. But I've been to daily mass at uh, Loris Christ the King, and, you know, there's 20 kids there. Wow. You know, and for a small college, I was thought that was pretty good. Rule of thumb, Vince, always invite guests that are smarter than you. <laughs> right. That's why we invite these two, Tom. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. why, that's not why you have me here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. No coincidence, I was, uh, Don and I went to Resurrection Parish a few, six, eight weeks ago. And the, they had a, a, a priest come in, and he talked about cross-Catholic 
and in their mission and what they do. I've never heard a cross Catholic. I, I, I heard a cross of, fit, yeah. but I, I haven't never, heard a cross I've oh, never no. heard of this before in my I've life. I've heard of a cross. No, no. I've, heard, no, of I've, heard, cross. I've heard of cross Catholic. Cross Catholic, cross Catholic takes up the same mission as Mother Teresa. They absolutely take in and, and serve in the the poorest of the poor in India and and I mean all these other countries that just absolutely have nothing. And um, he gave such an inspiring talk that it was unbelievable. They take absolutely no money hmm. from all the donations that we give. They, wow. they every dollar goes to serving the poor. Get a load of that, Colleen. Here it is right here. Yeah. Program services. 95.38% of your dollar goes to program services. Their administrative fees, 4.62%. Wow. Unbelievable. It wow. is. I mean, he gave such a great talk. You and bet. He, and he talked about all the different countries that they serve. I mean, in. Solomon had bigger overhead <laughs> building a temple. Than exactly. <laughs> I'm yeah. on their website now. It says that we're a Catholic ministry that partners with bishops, priests, religious, and lay workers to provide food, water, housing, education, orphan support, medical care, micro-enterprise, and disaster relief, and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ to the poorest of the poor in over 30 countries around the wow. world. Wow. They're doing everything. That's cross, amazing. Cross-Catholic outreach. I've got them at cross-Catholic, cross-like stations of the cross, mm -hmm. C-R-O-S-S, catholic.org, headquartered in Boca Raton, Florida. But that's that's a lot. You know, uh, so, well, this is good so, stuff at Lent, isn't it? So uh, anyhow, the, the almsgiving. One, yeah, the, that's exactly where I was going with this, with the 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 uh, praying the rosary without distraction, with the focus group, with Cross Catholic things like that. We we can't do everything, mm -hmm. but we can do a little bit every month. You know, by supporting different groups, including Aquinas Communications. Right. Think mm -hmm. about the outreach that you have. Established Bill and Co or Tom and Colleen in this community, in this not only in this community but all over. That from what we're hearing, so a little bit of donations to these groups and that outreach to other people to bring them into the Catholic faith is unbelievable. And and that's I I that's. This Lenten season has just brought me into this mm -hmm. so much. Well, you make a good point. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Right. Sure. And we can support those who are doing those different things. And right. so maybe exactly. everyone needs to spend a little time in prayer and asking God, what you know, what groups do you want me to support this Lent with my almsgiving? I think another way to approach that question is not only to whom do I need to support, but how much of God's money do I need to spend on myself? Mm. Exactly. What do you think of that, Vince? I mean, uh, I see so many people, you know, do they need a second coat? Do they need uh, another pair of boots, shoes? Mm -hmm. Do I, what, an, what do I need? A $5 oh, yeah. coffee at someplace, you know, really? Really? How about a buck coffee at home, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. send the other four bucks to somebody else? Yeah, yeah exactly. We need, we need to be thinking about that, yeah. where, mm -hmm. where it's going on. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's nice that this outreach is going on with Cross Catholic across the world and focus at the various, various um, universities. universities. And but bring it on home. I mean, Colleen was just talking about, how about you put an extra tank of gas in your car and head over to Mary's Inn and pick uh, these young women 
up yeah. once a week or twice a week or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. take yeah. them to church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, take them to church. Get them to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make a difference. The food pantries. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know uh, what St. Vincent's uh, and on their oh, food sure. pa- pantry, but uh, I'm sure boy, they've been Vinny's down for could, a while. Yeah, could use the help. And there's yeah. a lot of places in Dubuque that serve the poor in various ways that that could use a little extra help, whether it's financially or volunteering or, you know, the some Saint sort of Pat's service. The St. Pat's Meals, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, St. Mm-hmm. Stephen's Food Bank, you know, and you stuff. So, well, Art was on know, last week with Augusta and yeah. talking about they'll take a phone call anytime, mm-hmm. anywhere, when someone wants to have their baby, they need help. And they'll right. do anything from fo- formula and clothes to bicycles mm-hmm. right. for toddlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, this has been bothering me, all, not bothering me, but it's been resonating with me. Do you guys remember the first bicycle you had when you were a kid? Oh, I yeah. do. Oh, yeah. I do. do you, Vince, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Do you know can't be any different today for a kid in the 21st century and spring's coming mm-hmm. yeah. there's a kid out here that doesn't have a bike yeah and his dad may not be able to you know mm-hmm. well look at and that was one of the things that the men's mission had asked for for years what's exactly. that is bicycles because these guys that couldn't afford cars they needed a bicycle to get to work yeah so that was one of the oh, things that they, no that's one of the things mm-hmm. that they had asked for was for decent bikes for these guys to get back and forth to work. There's probably some bikes sitting in garages oh, from, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, that are sure. in good shape yeah. that uh, the kids have moved out of the house or whatever and, yep. and uh, don't throw them out. No, exactly. Right. There was a guy I went to school with, Tim Weitzel, that runs um, oh, yeah. Weitzel yeah. Finance up here on the corner. Yeah. And he used to have a ministry. I haven't talked to Tim in a while, but he used to have a ministry of refurbing bikes and shipping them overseas to uh, the countries to uh, helping out. I wonder what he's doing on that anymore. Yeah. That's we great. should get him on the show. We should get that. him on the yeah. show. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. What else you got there? You got two minutes. Yeah. Well, okay. I got, um, I guess a good Lenten practice, and this came out of the, uh, I haven't done this for years in journaling, but Cross Catholic actually sent me a journaling book for Lent. And I thought, yeah, why not? And I thought as I started writing the last week here in in this journal, is not only the blessings, but the sadness of what we're going through with the loss of friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've lost a lot of good friends over the last few weeks here, and uh, you know, but you you think about the Lenten journey. We're all on the same trip. We're all going to the same end. And we hope we yeah, we pray for those that have passed on before us, and we pray for mm-hmm. our grandchildren, especially mm-hmm. that they will come back to the faith, mm-hmm. yep, or not leave the faith if they're currently yeah sure practicing yeah. their Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Mark touches on something though we, there have been some people that have died suddenly and unexpectedly and and uh, maybe we should pray that eternal rest prayer. It's a good idea, yeah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Eternal Eternal rest rest grant unto them, them, O Lord, and let let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and souls of all the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
Episode so, 78 of the... Cha- oh, I forgot. In the name of the Father, the and Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. That's why we have our chaplain here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like it's not ended until it's we do not this. not ended until we yeah. do that. Episode 78 is over. Mark Hager's back for the first time in a coon's age. Welcome back, A blue Mark. moon or Thanks. whatever whatever <laughs> long time we're, we're doing. And Vince, we got you on uh, in about a month to come back. And um, what are you going to talk about now? How... Noah built the ark. I'm going to talk about <laughs> the cubic summit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> I'm going to talk about coincidence and divine providence. Or put it another way, there are no coincidences in the divine plan. There we go. Exactly. Don't forget, give a ride to Mary's Inn. Help a uh, young woman and her family out. And don't forget, Terry and Jesse coming up Wednesday. March 15th at the Grand River Center. Tickets are on sale now. Get yours at kcrd-fm.org. See you next week. We love you.